Hi, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of April 21, 2014. This is episode 228. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today are Jackie Olson, account manager with Interval. And Adam Meyer, principal of interactive strategy and design at Interval. Nice. I said the whole thing that time. Cool. How are you guys doing? Good. Good? Are you better? Get it? <laughs> we'll get a little to foreshadow. We'll get to it. Yeah. A little foreshadow. <laughs> Way to throw that in there. Sure. You know, I dream of um, being able to go on these podcasts and just talk all day long about TV shows. <laughs> really? Which can I? What's that? Really? I actually suggested yeah. that we talk about TV shows today. You did. Mm-hmm. You did. Which TV show? Oh, oh yeah. I don't know because you always have input on TV shows. There are many TV shows. Maybe we'll have time today to talk about some TV shows. Mm. Game of Thrones? Yes. Oh. Do you not watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, well, you know what? So it's lost on me at this you point. Need to ca- have you watched any Game of Thrones yet? No. Do I need to lend you the Blu-rays for the first couple seasons? We don't have a DVD player. Oh, my God. We'll just use our Roku. <laughs> See, and this is where we... Did we have this conversation on the podcast before about spoilers? Well, we won't spoil anything that's not already been... Well, that's... Right. It's different with Game of Thrones because obviously the books are all out there. So there right. really is no spoiler. But then you get into even the people that haven't read the books that watch TV. Mm-hmm. And the episode that is awesome that was just on has aired. Right. So then you're like, well, we can't talk about it because Jackie hasn't seen it or other people haven't seen it. It's like, well, <laughs> then you can never talk about right. it because right. there will be somebody who's never seen it forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if you talk about it. No, I know. I know when it came up last time, it was with Breaking Bad. Yeah. That was like you wanted to majorly spoil. That was at the Shushmid mm-hmm. thing. But yep. it's not spoiling if it's already been on. And I think it was, I thought it was you, Adam, who told me this, but Seth Meyer on his new talk show talked about this. He's like, you know, you telling us not to talk about it makes it, if you like, if you're, oh, I haven't seen it yet, you know, I've got a DVR'd. He's like, you're spoiling it for us. <laughs> We've seen it. We want to talk about it. It's aired. If you know, that's a good point. Don't, you know, the thing that that's weird to me is that people are always complaining about Twitter. Oh, people spoil it on Twitter. Don't they, go on Twitter. Don't go there. Then. Don't go on Twitter. <laughs> Why yeah. is that so hard? See, that's that wasn't a problem for me with Breaking Bad. I just avoided any sort of internet news or <laughs> right. Twitter and, I and was I've fine. been I've been watching. Um, it's difficult for me to watch Game of Thrones when it's on because it's just not a good time because like mm. the kids aren't both sleeping yet that kind of thing. Um, so right. I've been watching it using the HBO Go app. So I and I, the last couple times it's been the next day. So I just I just I stay off of like Facebook and stuff. Yeah, you have to stay off because I know people. Right. There'll be some of the news sources I follow or entertainment sources will be posting things about it. I just have to, just have to avoid it for a day or two or however long it's going to be a couple well, years. And, but mostly it's on you to do that. I mean, yeah, I would of say course, that. Totally. The, that's, that's what I think, I think it's on you to avoid mm-hmm. having something spoiled. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the things I follow, cause I love like reading reviews and recaps after the shows I like. So, and there's like eight places I go for, for recaps. Most of them do a good job of not spoiling in the headline and saying there are spoilers in the article, right? But these yeah. are after the shows ran, and I and I and I and I appreciate that. I think that's fine, um, but it it does get to a weird place. It's also interesting that this is a bigger, you know, the whole idea of time shifting mm-hmm. when DVRs came out and how wow, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Now I can watch TV whenever I want. 
Yeah. But that's now true. I think we've talked about this before. You really can't watch whenever you want, unless you want to tune out the rest of the world for right. the four days <laughs> right. it takes you to watch the show you have recorded. Mm-hmm. There are shows like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, uh, Walking Dead that I feel like I need to watch that night. Otherwise, you do have to take great pains to avoid yeah. a lot. Facebook, yeah. Twitter, any of the you know news places you like to mm-hmm. go, Dig, BuzzFeed. They're all going to have something up. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm pleased that uh, HBO Go has Game of Thrones up like immediately. Rather than like waiting twenty four hours and it's up there the next day, like Breaking Bad did with with iTunes. Yeah, I yeah. I think pretty much all iTunes stuff. It's like you you get it the next day. Right. Um, but Game of Thrones, like the the first episode I watched at like eleven o'clock that night, and it was yeah. up there immediately. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So anyway, we won't have to get into it, but man, what a good show! Game of Thrones really is what we're talking about. Such yeah. A good show. Oh yeah, you guys. If are I won the lottery, the that's all I do is do podcasts about video games. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. Maybe we need to do an offshoot about TV shows of Another this podcast. podcast. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We should. But I need a, some major catching up. Well, what's funny is, I'll I just leave it catching. at this. I've been trying to find a decent Game of Thrones podcast, and I can't find one. Where they just talk like about just Game yeah, of Thrones? Yeah, like I went to the top podcasts on iTunes and looked for the first few that were Game of Thrones, and I'm not liking them. One of them, um, one of them has somebody who's read the books and somebody who hasn't, mm-hmm. but the person who hasn't is so... It's one thing to not have read the books and not really, if you just watch the show, he's just like utterly, he watches the episode like three times and still doesn't know what the hell's going on. I'm like, I can't, it's okay if you're like, got questions that somebody from the book could answer, Mm -hmm. but they're so silly and rudimentary. I'm like yelling at my iPhone, like, (laughs) didn't you watch this? How can you ask that? You know? You did read the books? Yeah. Oh, okay. But, But even reading the books is... I mean, I've read Shakespeare plays, and I can't tell you half of the hell went went yeah. on in there. And there are still things like from this last episode that I won't spoil. I'm like, she was responsible? I thought it was this other person, and it was this other person in cahoots with this woman. And I'm like, I didn't even – I read the book. I didn't even know. Yeah. Well, they, oh, and, and they do change some stuff. I mean, there was something yes, I was pointing do. out in this last episode to my wife when we were watching it. Watching it um, I'm trying to remember what it was now that was different from the book. I mean, it was just like – Huge, yeah. A well, big one difference. of the main characters was at this this event that took place. That in the book, he's not there. Mm-hmm. A couple of them actually, but they've got to get him in there somehow if they're going to kind of condense the yeah. story. So that was a good. It was a good way to work him in. If yeah. you're talking about the dude from Dorne, was no, he there? He was there. Jamie wasn't there. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at the wedding, wasn't he? Jamie and Bran oh, weren't yeah. there. Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry. I was <laughs> Jackie's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm staring off into space. Anyway. Maybe we will. Maybe we will do an offshoot. So I, I assume, just to, to foreshadow, to, to spoil the next episode for people who haven't read the books, I assume that coming up then, I mean, he's the dude who fights the mountain then, right? Oberon? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's coming up. Yeah, like but that's the next, the next couple episode. episodes. Couple, yeah. In a couple. I'm yeah. sure it's this season. That is some spoiler. That's a, moving that's on. Good, uh, Wait, going back. Well, we, okay. don't, we don't say who wins. <laughs> no, it's we just, won't. Uh, awesome you know he's there for he's there for revenge i mean that's obvious something's gonna come to a a head at some point so the show is awesome it is a great show amazing okay let's um let's skip the updates because i've talked about them enough lots of speaking Mm -hmm. forum branding at the bar virginia but but that will be next week i mean when this airs that'll be the next week that will be it It at the forum so so you want me to talk about them no it's okay they're in our show notes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Workshop on Friday, May 2nd at the forum, the new consumer healthcare marketing paradigm. 
Writing at the bar, April 30th. When's April 30th? Mm-hmm. Those are the biggies. Good times had by all. National Behavioral Health Conference, May something. Come and have a beer on us. Yeah. Or a beer club us. soda. Oh, before we get too far, because whenever I give shout outs, sometimes I give them so far in the episode that people don't know that I gave them. <laughs> they've dropped off. Um, I did want to give, what's that? Because they've left already. Because <laughs> they've left already. Or I tell them that I'm going to give them a shout out and then. Um. Yeah, it's subliminal. They forget, or they're like, "I didn't hear it." I'm like, "Well, you got to wait the whole forty-five minutes." <laughs> so this is to Lance Lunsford. Lance is the vice president of advocacy communications. Um, says he's an avid listener. Follows our articles. Uh, he's vice president at Texas Hospital Association. So hoping to go down there and speak this summer about content marketing. Cool. And we had a little bit of a conversation, not much, but just kind of touched on. Our next topic that I want to get to, which is marketing automation and marketing automation technology. So I have had three people in the last month, three healthcare executives, so not marketers executives, uh, who I've been speaking to about the new paradigm, about, hey, we need to, we need to be really, really transforming what we're doing. And they say, hey, this all sounds great. But what's next? What's after that? And I kind of part of you wants to go. Look, you you're not even there you're not even mastering what you should be mastering now. Let's not worry about what's next until you you know actually right. get up to speed with digital and content and the other things involved in what I call the new paradigm, right? But whatever, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think they're just you know excited. That's good. So usually my answer involves something around marketing automation, mm-hmm. uh, and I think again, once again. We are, it's not like this is newsflash marketing automation and marketing automation technology has just entered the scene. Uh, it's been around for quite some time, but in our industry, very few hospitals or health systems are using this. Um, so what is marketing automation? Because there may be many people asking what that is. I turn to my favorite source for defining things. White Guypedia. <laughs> White Guypedia. Maybe, maybe you've heard of it. White Guypedia. I'm just going to read from it, and then I'm going to try to explain it in layman's terms if this doesn't make sense. Marketing automation refers to software platforms and technologies designed for marketing departments and organizations to more effectively market on multiple channels online and, this is the important part, automate repetitive tasks. Specify criteria and outcomes for tasks and processes, which are then interpreted, stored, and executed by software, which increases efficiency and reduces human error. Originally focused on email marketing automation, uh, now marketing automation refers to a broad range of uh, tools. It can involve social media, it can involve texting, mm-hmm. it can involve a lot of different things. Uh, some of the leaders in marketing automation platforms, of course, most people have heard of HubSpot, uh, Marketo. Uh, Eloqua, Acton, those are some other ones. So how to put this in terms that, that kind of help outline what this is and why it's important. So this is different than CRM, Customer Relationship Management Systems, which basically are databases that house data. Thank you for that. Wonderful. That was deep. <laughs> uh, you know, we've, we've been advocating for CRM adoption forever. Uh, I would say that maybe a third to a half at best of hospitals and health mm-hmm. systems today have a true CRM system. Uh, it's always been quoted to me by the people in that industry at about 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you typically do with CRM is you you build intelligent data uh, and you use it to communicate with certain targeted segments. You can also use it to track results and tie it to your internal systems and determine ROI and that type of thing, mm-hmm. which is all great. Marketing automation works uh, alongside of CRM, so it uses that data. And essentially what it does is it allows you to track activity of the people that you've identified primarily through a website. There could be other online channels. And based on what they do, you can automate responses. So I try to come up with a really simple example. So let's take online health risk assessment. So let's say you have a uh, a heart disease risk assessment online. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say somebody comes in and they start to take your assessment and they stop. With marking automation, you know who they are because you've either tagged them before or because they've entered your HRA. You know who they are. You have their email, let's say. And if they don't finish it, you could automatically have it set up so that your systems know that and shoot an email to them saying, hey, Chris, we noticed you didn't finish this assessment. Uh, did you run into trouble? Did you run out of time? Is there something we can help you with, right? Sure. Uh, let's say they finish it and the outcome is positive. So the assessment shows they don't have any issues, which you obviously know. You could send them an email automatically that says, hey, your assessment turned out great. Here are some other resources to help you stay healthy, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say that it didn't turn out so good and you can have an email sent to them that says, you know, your assessment showed some potential um, danger zones, you know, you should follow up with your physician. If you don't have one, here is, right. you know, our physicians. And then from there, you can continue to build what I would call these if-then paths. So if they do something, then this is what the marketing automation technology will do. Mm-hmm. And they can become quite complex, uh, but that's basically what it does. And it, and it it's something that is really a huge gaping hole, I would say, in the marketing strategies of most organizations that we work with, right? Because mm-hmm. most of them are focused on how do we get people, how do we get their attention, how do we get them in, how do we get them to take an HRA? I mean, we worked with one system who will remain nameless um, that spent a lot of money on building a marketing strategy around HRAs mm-hmm. and wasn't seeing any ROI from them, meaning they, they, they were getting very few people that would actually take the RHRA, come in and show up in the doctor's office and which is what you want them to do if they need it. Right. Turned out they weren't in any way, following any way up. at all following up with people. <laughs> with well, yeah. None, right? Therein lies the problem. Therein yeah. lies the problem, right? And so we understand that there's a there's a uh, a human capital or resources issue with that, but that's what marketing automation helps you with. Right. Um and so that in a nutshell is, is what it is. Uh again, I don't think a lot of Hospitals or health systems are using them. Yeah. Well, and that's really, I mean, what we talked about is really about kind of new, about acquisition of new patients, right? People, new people getting into the system. That's one. Um, place, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see there's, there's obviously huge potential, I think, for even automated setups for people who are in the system and utilizing, utilizing oh, yeah. your services to continue to communicate with them and, uh, you know, assist them in interesting ways um you know mm-hmm. but where the buzz is for marketing automation is obviously kind of around acquiring new customers new patients versus um 
at least that seems to be what most of the conversation is about versus how you can use it internally for, or not internally, but use it for, you know, patients that you've already got in interesting ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that you're right. I think it's got two significant applications. One is for content marketing. It fulfills content marketing. So if your right. content marketing is successful in bringing people in, let's say you've got a, a blog post about heart health and that brings people through to your HRA, marketing automation will help streamline that process, uh, help identify who's taking what steps along the way and help you fulfill your content marketing um, potential to the fullest. Uh, but it also has, from a clinical standpoint, uh, at least from my mind, huge potential for something like population health management, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're able to uh, not only track people's activities mm-hmm. if they're a diabetic patient, but prompt them with communications based on their activity or lack of activity, because mm-hmm. that could be part of it too. Like if they're supposed to come in, this is, you get the, you get the, Forever, as long as I've been in this business, you get people who talk about, you know, my vet can do that or my dentist can do that, but my doctor can't, like, follow up on visits or remind me of visits and things oh, that sure. um, CRM should be able to help you do. Mm-hmm. But to take it to the kind of exponential level of um, appropriate communication depending on people's behaviors or misbehaviors right. uh, from a clinical standpoint would seem to me to have huge implications. That's part of what Lance and I were talking about because he was – citing a couple of examples, um, a study that they did around texting patients and how texting patients as follow-up to uh, certain kinds of treatments or certain kind of chronic issues really can help Mm -hmm. um, make sure they follow the pathways and treatments that have been laid out for them. So Cool. So, yeah, it's a a big deal. It's not a silver bullet. Uh, one of the articles that, that we could post um, as a resource talks about how it's not a replacement for marketing. Right. Uh, it doesn't replace the need to creatively pull people in, whether that's through classic old school promotional marketing or content marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it also is not a replacement for quote unquote sales. Uh, now, in, in normal industry, like in our business, uh, there is a point where somebody has to actually interact with a, a prospect. Right. Uh, and, and of course, this is not, you know, in healthcare, you don't call it sales. Uh, but at some point, especially from a clinical standpoint, you're going to have to interact right. with people. It can't right. all be automated. But it connects marketing uh, as far as pulling people in mm-hmm. and however else they would touch your organization. It connects that and makes it more streamlined and more mm-hmm. efficient. And Do you know of any health systems yes. that are using it? Uh, and the only reason I know this is because I'm actually serving on the committee for the sh- upcoming fall Shushman conference. I'm serving on the uh, digital track. So mm-hmm. all the submissions are lumped into like eight different tracks. Marketing's one, marketing analytics. Um, I'm heading up the committee that's selecting which uh, submissions are selected from a digital standpoint. And the, one of the things I said that nobody submitted anything regarding marketing automation. I'm like, look, I know this is really kind of still out there, but mm-hmm. it, that's what the kind of, that's the kind of thing that Shishman should be talking about. Oh yeah. Something that like introduces you to a new concept, which would be for like 80 to 90% of people. And, um, one of the women who is on the, the, the executive committee for the conference, her name is Suzanne Sawyer from Penn medicine. Uh, she, when I said that on, on one of the calls saying, I, I really feel strongly this should be in here. She jumped in and said, absolutely, this is something that 
is new, but people need to understand. And she said they've been working with it for about two years and trying to learn how to best use it and that kind of thing. So uh, there are, I know Suzanne is one of the more sophisticated marketers in our biz. I don't, I don't know if I've ever met her personally, but I've run across her a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that doesn't shock me. Uh, I know Chris Boyer at North Shore LIJ has mentioned uh, marketing automation is something that they're looking at bringing on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times you hear people talk about it, um, but they're talking about it from just an email, an email delivery standpoint which is not so like a campaign monitor or uh i'm trying to think of the other vendors where it's it's like it's such a basic level of that's simple what this is all that is is how you Mm -hmm. distribute emails Mm -hmm. this is far more than that it replaces that so marketing automation will replace a um email platform um but yeah it's way more than that It, it certainly is about distributing emails but it's about monitoring people's activities and communicating with them based on their activities, not right. just one shot blast to a bunch of people on a list. And then, and then kind of look at what you think happened and try to interpret results. Right. 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 So, and it's also very, um, you know, the, the, the automation part I think is misleading too. like, Oh great. We just push a button and all this works. <laughs> Set it and forget it. Yeah. yeah you have point. to, you have to determine what those if then pathways are. And mm-hmm. you've got to it's interpret, all- you've got to act on results and, change right. those pathways based right. on what's working and what's not working. And it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not it about sure. making, it's not necessarily about making life easier for you. It's about, <laughs> it's about connecting the dots and seeing, and, and being able to be more efficient with what you're, with what you're doing. I mean, in the end it might be easier, but it also, in the end you might need to hire more people to help yeah. you mm-hmm. do this because it's like, all right, now we can see where to devote our, our resources and we don't have the right resources to do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. It kind of fits the model of digital marketing overall in my mind, which is um, one of the reasons why I think our industry is too slow to adopt it is it's not easy. There's so When you think about digital marketing, it's so broad, all the different things that you have to really understand. Yeah. You can go way deep and just think about like there are entire firms dedicated to SEM or SEO or you know, web development or email or marketing automation, you as a marketing leader have mm-hmm. to understand all of those. Uh, you have to understand how they all work together. Uh, way different than we need a mass advertising campaign. So let's call our agency to develop it and our media planner to buy it. And all we do is look at these awesome creative concepts and say, yes. Um, obviously it's more, a little more complex than that, but mm-hmm. this, this is, it's, a, it's to me like, Okay, you used to be in a rowboat and you'd have to like row across the river. Now you're in a freaking nuclear submarine <laughs> and you you know, you've the got like yards and yards and yards of six foot high panels of navigation <laughs> that you have to learn. And so That's it's not true. easy. And marketing automation is not easy either, but it, it could really change a lot for marketers and for healthcare as far as how it delivers care. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard of it, start looking it up. We're gonna provide some basic um, some basic information on it. We have just started diving into it within the last six months. Um, it's something, you know, obviously that applies to our business, but we want to master this like we want to master anything else digital because it's something that our clients are asking us for. So, um, you know, we're not experts in it by any means, but we're going to get there. We're trying. God we're trying. It. <laughs> Dang nabbit. Dang nabbit. We're going to get there. <laughs> okay. 
So enough on that. Good topic. Good talker. Uh, one more. We've been kind of heavy on the Mayo Clinic. Heavy on the Mayo. Heavy on the Mayo. There's Aww. our show title. <laughs> they hate that, though. I think they probably hate that. Well, comes with the name. It's kind of cute. Heavy on the Mayo? Mm-hmm. What, just... um... <laughs> Where, where does is Mayo? Is that somebody's last name? Yeah. What? The okay. Mayo brothers, the ones who founded the organization. Oh, okay. Charles Mayo, I think, is one, and then his brother, Bob, who Mayo. were Bob prominent Mayo. physicians who moved out to Minnesota to start this new type of health system. I did not know that. It is true. What became of them? I have no idea. No. This was whatever early. This was a while 1900s. ago. Oh. There. I don't know. I want to say 1910 or something. That might be completely false. To be 1930 or something. I don't know. I'm not a historian when it comes to the, the Mayo Brothers. Come on. But we've been a little hard on Mayo Clinic the last few episodes. Not intentionally. It's just, right. you know, we, we're not fans of their Gigantor Minnesota Lynx uniforms. Oh, I forgot about uh, that one. We were really confused and and probably not overly positive about their Online advertising, True that. and how that and being be. uh, advertising on their website, not not them right. advertising advertising also. on their website, yeah. right? Um, so now news pops that they have launched an app called the Better App. Now we've all played with it a little. Uh, we're probably we probably know enough just to be dangerous. Uh, there's an article that we'll post from. Our local mag- or newspaper, the Star Tribune. Um, here's what here. I'll read you the opening salvo. Mm-hmm. The Mayo Clinic wants you to feel "quote unquote" better. That's the name of a new mobile app service launched by the Rochester-based healthcare provider in partnership with the Silicon Valley venture capital firm and accomplished telemedicine entrepreneur. It's part of Mayo's overarching goal to put the clinic's expertise in the hands of 200 million consumers. The service will allow users to tap Mayo's knowledge bank and symptom checker at no cost. For $49.99 a month, a family, from grandparents to grandkids, can get 24-7 access to Better's professional personal health care assistance and Mayo's own nurses and other professionals. Okay, and quote, we have been challenged by our board and our president and CEO to think about how we can make Mayo Clinic knowledge available to everyone, anywhere, anytime. This is a very nice novel way for us to reach out in that direction to Dr. Paul Lindbergh, medical director of Mayo's Global Business Solutions Group. Okay. So um, in the little that we've played with it, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have th- three points to make, and then I'll let you guys chime in. One, very nicely designed app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, very sharp, very easy to use, very intuitive. Two, uh, unless you sign up, for the monthly fee, it's primarily content that you can get at their website or by following them online. So in in some ways to me, that is secondary of what the value of this app is. Mm -hmm. Um, So the third point is clearly what they want you to do is sign up for $49.99 a month, which gives you 24 seven access to their personal healthcare assistants uh, and their nurses and professionals. And, I guess the question I have related to that is that's an awful lot of money mm-hmm. to sign up for ongoing healthcare expertise. And I don't quite understand that model. So we'll start with that. 
Yeah, I would yeah. be it'd be interesting to know how many people are willing to just start shelling out fifty bucks for what this is when there are. And I don't know what we talked about another, we talked about it. What was that website that we discussed? It was like a doctor. It's a place where there are tons and tons of doctors who you can just go there and post a question and get an answer from one of them within 24 hours. Oh, I don't even think there was a cost involved with it. I'm trying to remember what the hell the name of the website was. It's on the tip of my tongue. I don't remember that. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. And and this is where, you know, again, I, it comes flooding back to me. That's ridiculous article. It says brands are dead. This is, again, evidence that Mayo Clinic at mm. least thinks its brand is strong enough that it can charge for what Adam just described. Right. And, you know, I might be the wrong target audience, though, too, for this, because the amount that I access the healthcare system at this point in my life is minimal. But then I can all I could see the value for someone like um, my husband's parents who are constantly like just having issues and needing questions answered and stuff like that. So maybe there is value for someone like that? I don't know. I, just personally, I'd have a hard time justifying that cost for the amount I feel like I'd use it. Well, maybe. Go ahead, Adam. Health Tap. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. sounds familiar. We talked about that that app or that uh, website. Wow. So let me let me unfortunately put me in the same class as your husband's parents. Right? I got two chronic issues. I got back problems. We've talked about that before that yep. crop up now and again. I got a freaking cold right now. <laughs> I can't shake. Right. So I probably have more healthcare questions and issues than average Joe out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have kids. And I have kids, mm-hmm. right? And I've got grandparents, so theoretically they would fall under there and they've got, you know, take my issues and multiply those times three. Right. Um, first of all, I have health insurance and a health provider, which mm-hmm. most Americans do. So You have to now. It's paying, illegal not to. Right, from a health insurance standpoint, paying $50 a month to access something that I already have access to and I'm already paying yeah. for, um, that's where it falls down for me. I, If they had said it's $49.99 per request, mm-hmm. which sounds like, wow, that's even more expensive, that makes more sense to me from how you use healthcare. Like if I was dealing with my back and I wasn't satisfied with my existing physician or what they were doing... I might pay $50 to tap into the Mayo Clinic and say, hey, here's what's happened. Can you help me? And have them recommend something and, and whatever. Sure. $50 a month? I mean, good gravy. I'd have to be using that sucker every week for that to pay off for me. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I just don't understand it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, and if I were in those shoes, I feel like I would just, I, you know, given my health insurance situation, I would walk in and to an urgent care and pay $25 copay, and that's still cheaper than accessing this app for, yes, you know, so. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's more value than even we've touched on. Mm, doesn't there. seem like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we well, were going to go. Does, it does say the personal health assistance can advise users on issues ranging from selecting a doctor creating a family health plan or sorting out how to get the most out of their health insurance. So it's not just about if you're sick. They're also there to help you if you have insurance questions or issues. Yeah, but there are places to go for that too that are essentially free. I mean, if you look at some of the, I mean, I guess I was going to say gravy, which we talked about a little bit recently. I mean, they're a, they help you get insurance and answer all the questions mm-hmm. and help you understand it. I don't know if they're a resource related to go and ask questions about your current plan. Um, Maybe this resource is that mm-hmm. uh, would be 
I don't know. I would be surprised if they have people there who are just straight up experts on every single insurance well, plan be. out that's there. Impossible. I know that's the thing. Like when with with my with my family's situation, they we had a a rep from the insurance company at the hospital that we worked with last year who was like our contact for that specific provider. Um, Mm-hmm. And it was an employee. It wasn't a, an employee of the hospital. It was an employee of that insurance company. My understanding is anyway. Um, so I don't know. I, it's interesting. I just, I just, I have a hard time believing that I'd be able to contact somebody through this app with like a really specific insurance question, mm-hmm. um, or maybe a complicated question, and get an answer on it that I wouldn't be redirected to. You know, my insurance company to talk to somebody about it. Right. Yeah. They have a success story that they talk about, um, a 25-year-old from San Francisco. So let's see if this holds up. Unlike most people, my job as a child care provider keeps me away from my computer and phone for pretty much all business hours. So I essentially have to take time off work to make phone calls to insurance companies. So first of all, how many people are in that situation? Not not as personal situation, but having to make phone calls to insurance companies all the time. Unless you yeah. have some kind of giant claim. Uh, after sending a message through the app to my personal health assistant, she was able to correct an error in my insurance, effectively saving me hundreds of dollars, all without me having to once do with my insurance company. Wagner said, better also is useful when you're sick. Instead of having to get myself to the doctor last time I was sick, I was able to talk to Lauren through my phone, all without having to get off my couch, which was terrific. Um, and that all sounds great, but again, for 50 bucks a, a month... month. Uh, and earlier mm-hmm. in the article, it says it's because of state laws, Mayo can't advise users in a prescriptive way like it might in a clinical setting. Well, what the hell is Lauren helping you with? Yeah, she can't prescribe what. I was wondering about that right. too. So, I, you know, again, we've we've because they're in our backyard. I think we get more access to the Mayo Clinic and what they're doing the most. Um, and we've seen them, you know, put something innovative in the mall of America and it mm-hmm. didn't work. And at the time we're like, what the, what the hell is this? This isn't going to work. It didn't work. I'm not trying to give us credit. I'm, I want to back up and say kudos to them because they keep trying new yeah. stuff. Yeah. They're yeah. innovating and they are a leader in innovation, not just in clinical innovation, but in healthcare service innovation. Right. Yeah, so I, totally I don't want this to fail. I, you yeah. know, if they can certainly deliver something that people need, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's great. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And and you know nobody's probably better positioned than them to try things like this. Um, though I do have to laugh at the Star Tribune because we laugh all the time at <laughs> non healthcare media outlets to try to understand healthcare and they, <laughs> especially healthcare marketing or branding. So the headline for this article says Mayo Clinic builds better app to expand its name with consumers. And I was joking, I'm like, come on, that's not why they're doing this. I mean, certainly they're trying to access more potential patients with this. I don't think they would see this as a huge revenue stream that's going right. to replace their regular revenue stream. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. um, certainly they're hoping that they'll get more referrals this way or tap into more direct patients. But it's not an awareness builder. I mean, the way I would think about it is more people are going to come to this app because the Mayo Clinic's name is behind it. Yeah, definitely. Then the Mayo Clinic is going to gain new people who've never heard or right. think the Mayo Clinic's good because of the app. Mm-hmm. So it For just sure. kind of shows you that, I don't know, headline writers are often, you know, France Coolest. France is banning emails. <laughs> They're at fault a lot. It's always weird. It's a weird part of journalism to me. 
You get you get somebody who writes a story, who mm-hmm. understands it, who's talked to all the sources, sends it into their editor, and then the editor and the team write the headline, not the right. reporter right. or the author. I guess I did not know that. I think I think it's the way it used to be, and I'm sure it's a way it's still a lot of cases. Yeah, I think the person who wrote the article can certainly make a, a recommendation, or this is what I might do. But then the yeah, other, somebody who will say, "No, this is a better title. This is what's going to do the trick." Right. Well, that can cause a disconnect. Like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah which is <laughs> weird. The I don't know things. if that's universal, but that's certainly the way it used to be. All right. So we'll say kudos to Mayo Clinic for trying something new. Uh, well done on the app. Uh, you will have to check it out and see for yourself whether it's something that uh, you think there would be value in as a consumer mm-hmm. and also as a marketer for any system across the country. You know, this is potentially competition for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's no different than what Mayo Clinic's been doing in, in different ways, like with their almost quote unquote franchise where they partner with hospitals across the country and oh, yeah. co brand and that type of thing. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anything else you guys want to add about that Game of Thrones episode? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was. It was. It was an episode where you could finally go, yes, because the series is so much about no. Yeah, it really is. What? No, not him. How many not seasons her. have there been? This is four. four. Oh, yeah. I, had, I have some friends you. who have not been impressed with this season so far. They just thought what? They, they thought it's been going slow. They're okay, like, so, so those slow. friends need to be dismissed from the Game of Thrones family. <laughs> first of all, shocked. the first episode of the season was <laughs> that was great, about as great as it gets. Yeah. And it didn't have some big spectacular thing. It just was phenomenal. Good, good moments, just con- oh, continuous yeah. good moments. And I yeah. thought the last episode was like continuously. The last episode good was good moments and had a huge, gigantic, holy bleep. So anybody that, that would go, eh, don't know if I like, probably I would not listen to them anymore. <laughs> Everybody's got a right to their own opinion, but I don't think it gets any better. But it's than not the last right. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'm not the only one. I mean, you can look at all the reviews, and I think most people thought the first episode was dead on, perfect. Yeah, it, it's fun how you. The one thing that's great about this series or this story is how you go on this like roller coaster ride of liking people than hating people like the same person like you'll yeah. you'll hate them at the beginning and you'll think they're the bad guy but then all of a sudden you're like yeah well now that i know this person's story and i know where they're coming from and i can yeah. see their why they are the way they are and i can see them kind of changing as a person it's like all of a sudden you start to like them and then but then you still dislike parts of them and it's yeah. i don't know the character development is just is is great and having read the books that you know you get additional insight into the character but mm-hmm. um so I can't necessarily speak on behalf of somebody who hasn't experienced that part of it, but it's 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 really been well done. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and if you're turned off, yeah, if you're turned off by the, the idea that it's like fantasy or Lord of the Rings, it's really not like that at all. I kind of like, like the, those no. things though, so that's not a turn. No, off it's got me. some of that in there, but the original, the showrunner, one of the showrunners originally called it like the medieval Sopranos, and I think that's more appropriate. Yeah, it's mainly about politics and. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, not politics, like traditional politics, but like The Sopranos was about relationships and in a, in a, just a really unique kind of setting. Mm -hmm. And it's just so beautiful and well done and it's funny. And we had a show title earlier, didn't we? We'll have to go back and listen. I didn't write it down. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I got it. I think heavy on the mail. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Yeah. That's not cute. It is cute, but they won't think it's cute. Or maybe we'll go, maybe, maybe it could be easy on the mail since we did, since this time we were a little. That's good. Easy on the mail. Yeah. 
Okay, noted. Well, heavy on the mail also is referencing the we've, fact we've talked we've about three podcasts in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. So, or what? How about yummy mail? Negative. <laughs> Stop while you're being For <laughs> the arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Olson. And Adam Meyer. Yeah.